0: Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well. I know it's been a very challenging few weeks. Uh, we're probably at a place right now that we didn't think we would be at, certainly not last fall, but you know what? We are where we are and we're just trusting God and we're believing that God is going to lead us through this latest little bit of challenge. Um, and we just want to make sure everybody's doing well, that everybody's healthy, our kids are doing well. So that's why we've got this little temporary hold on meeting together but lord willing we will see things change here in the very near future we'll be back in the building again we'll be back in fellowship again uh in the way that we know and we love so much so uh, better days are coming we just need to sit tight ride this out be faithful pray we all stay healthy get healthy and uh, we'll be back to get uh, together again here really soon so here we are it's 2022 and as we do every year we have a theme for the year now, our theme is the umbrella that everything that we do for the year fits under. At least we certainly try to make it that. And our theme for 2022 is redefine. Now, what exactly do we mean by redefine? Well, to redefine means to give new meaning to, to re-examine, to reevaluate, especially with a view to change. It means to rethink things. Now, why is a church would we want to do that why would we want to reevaluate or re-examine or rethink why would we want to change anything well because the church is not the building that we meet in. we know that right the church is is you the church is me the church is all of us together and we're always changing sometimes we change for the better sometimes we change for the worse but the truth of the matter is as, as human beings, as emotional people, we're we're always changing, we're always in motion. And sometimes it's a really good thing to just stop and and say, where where are we? Are we where we think we are? Are we are we who we say we are? And are things as they should be? Now, I know we're not a perfect church. We never will be a perfect church because we're filled with imperfect people. But we can certainly strive to be a great church filled with people that are making every effort to be that church that Jesus built, to be that church that Jesus died for, and to live out our discipleship and our lordship as best as we possibly can. And that might very well take some redefining. So before we get into the whole redefining thing, let's talk about what we're not going to redefine. Uh, what can we simply define and, and leave it at that? Like it's it's the way it's supposed to be. We don't need to even rethink or reevaluate or you know what what is just said. There's a few things that come to mind. We'll get to that in a second. But to define something means to state or describe exactly the nature or the scope or the meaning of something. Now there are certain things in our Christianity that we need to define we need to have a very rock solid firm foundation understanding of the two most obvious to me are god right we need a very clear definition of god and and jesus because those are our foundation it's what we build our faith on and we have the means we have the resources to know exactly who they are they're both crystal clear and they they really need no redefining. We can know the exact nature, scope, and meaning of both God and Jesus. So let's let's start with God. We may not always know exactly how God works, but we can always know who God is. And and maybe for you certain things about who God is really stands out. You know, maybe maybe you tend to lean more uh, as you know, God as creator, or maybe God as father, or maybe God as judge, or maybe God as provider, or God as king. I mean, there's many, many more. You've got your certain, you know, kind of thing that when you think of God, when somebody asks you, hey, in a word, describe God, there's that like thing that comes to mind. It doesn't really matter what it is. It can be all those. It can be many other things. The very essence of who God is, is set. It doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate. I mean, there's so many things about God that that we can look at and say, man, that's just like rock solid foundational to to, to God's character. I think about his holiness. There's a scripture in Exodus chapter 15. And uh, this is verse 11. I haven't figured out, by the way, how to get the scriptures up on the screen when I do these kind of remote services, somebody that's very techie will help me with that one day. But anyway, uh, so if you don't have time to turn to everything, don't worry about it. Write them down, go back, look later. <clears throat> but anyway, Exodus, Exodus 15, verse 11, it reads as this Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? I mean, This is is God just just set apart above all things, everything created, everything in existence. It's God just, you know, hovering way above everything else. It's God's purity. It's God's perfection. I think too about, besides his holiness, I think about God's omnipotence. You know, Luke says in, in Luke 1.37, no word of God will ever fail. I mean, think about that. Could you say that like none of your words have ever failed? I mean, of course not, right? Throughout the course of of our day, there's a number of times where we say, "Oh man, that didn't work," or "I shouldn't have said that," or, you know, that wasn't the best thing, or, or whatever. So our, our words tend to fail, unfortunately, quite often. But God never; His words never fail. That's God's perfection in action. You know, when when Job was going through all of his struggles, and we know from the book of Job that. He had many struggles. In in, in chapter 42, in verse 2, he says this about God. He says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted, right? And so Job had this understanding of God's perfection that you know what? You're capable of absolutely anything and there's nothing that can get in the way of your will. So if you say it, And you're determined to make it happen. It's going to happen. Nothing's going to shut it down. So that's God's omnipotence. this incredible, you know, unending, unceasing power. But then there's God's omniscience. And that's God's knowledge. So not only can God do all things, but God actually knows all things. There's nothing that God doesn't know. We know from Hebrews chapter four that, that everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of, of him to whom we must give an account, right? So there's nothing unseen and unknown about God. But then we look at God's nature. What do we mean by God's nature? Well, your, your nature, the nature of something are those, those basic foundational features or those basic foundational elements God has many. We could list them all, you know, for for the next hour. But, you know, some of the ones that come to mind that are, are standouts, at least for me, are God's compassion, God's love, God's patience, and God's empathy. But how do we actually see these things? How do we see God's compassion, love, patience, empathy? What does God want us to know about His? Nature. Well, if you turn with me, hopefully I'll give you time. But in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, and if you're electronic like I am right now, you're just punching it in. You're probably already there. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, we get this little glimpse of God's of God's nature. And, and it's really connected with his purpose. So uh, we're going to begin here, verse 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so God's inner nature, what do we mean by that? What's God's inner nature? Well, it's that compassion, love, patience, right? It's those things that are deeply woven into the being, the character of God. Those, those inner nature things are made clear through the nature of his purpose. Right? So that's when God's, you know, in inner inner things have action take form actually in a way that we can see and that purpose god's god's purpose is unchanging the purpose is the why and the what that god does right and so god does a lot of things and he doesn't do them haphazardly there's a there's a why and then there's a there's a there's a thing that god actually accomplishes but it's not always the how right and so the, the, the why doesn't change, the what doesn't change, but the how can actually change in terms of, of how God goes about fulfilling his purpose. I want you to hold that thought because it's important for us and we're gonna come back to it later. The nature of God's purpose is set. How he goes about it and, and even how we go about it, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, isn't static. But it's actually very fluid. And a really great example of this is found in Exodus 32. We're going to go ahead and take a look at that. And uh, we're going to begin Exodus 32 around verse 9. I think that's a good starting point. And uh, if you know this story, this is the whole golden calf debacle, right? And so, you know, Aaron decides that uh, at the uh, prodding of people, they're going to take a bunch of jewelry and make something other than god to worship this golden calf and uh and god has a really hard time with it as you would think you probably would but anyway uh, we're going to pick up the story in verse 9. i have seen these people the lord said to moses and they're stiff-necked people now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and i may destroy them then i'll make you into a great nation but moses sought the favor of the lord his god lord he said Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by your own self I will make you your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I'll give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Now listen to this. The Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Interesting story. And so, contrary to what you might think, Moses did not change God's mind. God's mind is set his purpose what was on his mind never changed that divine purpose was to see the creation of a people devoted to him but it seems that God was was open to working with Moses it's like hmm okay you know what I hadn't really considered that or wow that's a really great point Moses you know maybe okay so, so God was, was, was willing to work, and I think God is willing to work with us and our thoughts to see this divine purpose of, of, of people being devoted to him, of God creating this people, that God is, is really interested in what we have to say and, and what our opinions are and what our thoughts are. The purpose is set, okay, so God knows what he's doing, but the plan is ever-developing. And so let's unpack that a little bit and build on that. What what does God really want? What is this 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 purpose? Well, a couple of things come to mind. I think one very important purpose that God has is for all people to be saved, for everybody to come to a knowledge of the truth. Right. That's what it says in First Timothy chapter two verses three and four that that God wants God God wants all people to be saved. God's end game is that we all find salvation. Now, that's not to say that everybody will, and I think God knows that. Many are called, are chosen. That's because we have free will, okay? God didn't just hit the, you know, select all, hit saved, and boom, it's like an automatic thing. It's, we have a choice. It's like, okay, I can respond to this this call to be saved, this salvation, or I can choose to ignore it. I can choose to walk away. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We can reject it if we want, but God's purpose. Okay, one of the reasons why you know, God create is creating his people to be his very own is that we would be with him forever, that we would be God's people. And God makes that, that way very clear. He makes it known to us. But again, we can decide to reject it if we want, but God's purpose is that we would be saved. I think God also wants us to worship him and to worship him alone you know when when god uh created the ten commandments and um we see that well it's several several places where we see that we're gonna look at the uh uh, the exodus 20 version let me show you that when god created the the ten commandments right out of the gate this is what it says i am the lord your god who brought you up out of egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me right and so that was meant to stick sometimes we look at these 10 commandments it's like wow was that like some ancient thing and we're not really bound to that no we are very much bound to those 10 commandments you think oh but that was old testament yes that's true but if you look at the life of jesus and everything that jesus did how he lived his life what he preached you know his message etc every one of the 10 commandments is actually fulfilled through jesus that would be a great study to do sometime maybe a great series but Everything that uh, that God said um, in those Ten Commandments was meant to, to keep going. And so especially this idea of, of worshiping God uh, uh, and, and worshiping no other gods, right? So God alone. Uh, God not just is wanting us, but is really demanding that we worship him, uh, that he be first. When you think about worship, what is worship? We talked about this, I don't know, I think it was in the fall. That worship is an act of total and pure adoration, and surrender to God by being submissive to his authority, to his wisdom, to his will, to his judgment and and ultimately to his sovereignty that god is is above all things, and we aren't to question God, we aren't to you know wonder about God, God is just. God is just above everything, so there's there's nothing ambiguous about that, right? So there should be no like, oh well, we need to redefine like who God is. No, God is is so clear. God is clear, needs no redefining. His his intent, his purpose, his being. I mean, we don't we don't need to get into that. We're certainly not going to redefine God, and just as we're not going to redefine God, we're also not going to redefine Jesus. Hebrews thirteen uh, a tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is fixed. we have no intentions of redefining his message or his mission. Now the message of Jesus is crystal clear and we're all familiar with it. Let me just give you this one example. And uh, this is in in Luke chapter four, verse 18. And this is when Jesus first began his his ministry and uh, he appears in the temple. And this was like, this really is the gist of his message. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the lord's favor right so this is very early on in his ministry and that was his message it was good news to those who were oppressed to those who were downtrodden to those who were discouraged and, and hopeless and you know fearful and wondering man what's like the next day gonna hold and you know where am i going in life all those things that we've also thought right so as much as that message was good news for them it's equally good news for us. The message hasn't changed. We need it as much today as they did. Now, we also know very well what Jesus Jesus's mission was, and, and we're not gonna redefine that. That's pretty well set, and it's just as clear. We know the story of Zacchaeus, right? When uh, Jesus went in, this is in Luke 19, Jesus goes in you know, on his way to Jericho, he finds Zacchaeus up in the tree, calls him down, Goes to his house, you know, preaches the, the 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 message to him. He must have preached that same message, you know. I mean, he had just preached it not too much prior to that, and that was his purpose. So he preaches that message, and you know, in uh, in verses nine and ten of that Luke nineteen, uh, it says that the son of came the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost, and and Zacchaeus was saved, right? So he responded. And he became part of the message. So Zacchaeus heard the message, but then he became part of the mission. Just like us, we've heard the message and then we became part of the mission. So in in very broad brushstrokes, that's what it means to be a Christian. We hear the message of salvation from Jesus and we respond and we become part of the mission but there's some finer detail within those broad brushstrokes that we need to talk about. There's also a lifestyle to consider. And that lifestyle is our Lordship and our discipleship. And it's really how we live all of this out. And as important as, as getting here is right to this place of salvation, as important as getting here is, so is living here. Because it's not just like, okay, I'm saved now. I go on and I do whatever I want to do. You know, I show up for church, you know, when I can, and I do whatever. There's, there's some real uh, importance to our lifestyle, to our lordship, and to our discipleship. And uh, this is where things can get a little tricky. And this is where things can get a little muddy. How do we know we're getting this right? You know, we're like some 2,000 years plus removed from actually physically walking with Jesus, where he could have corrected us on the spot and said, you know, yes or no to whatever our lordship and discipleship was looking like at the moment. But how do we know now, you know, 2022, that we're getting this right? Well, we're, we're very fortunate because we have a guide. It's this, it's this Bible that God has given us. And this Bible gives us incredible detail about this walk with Christ and about our relationship with God. Now, if, if indeed we can all agree that the Bible is God's word, if we can agree on the validity, if we can agree on the infallibility, the power, the authority, the, the perfection of the word, then just like God and jesus it does not need to be and it won't be redefined so that's another thing we're not going to redefine the bible oh well we've we've actually figured out what the bible is we know what the bible is well we've actually you know decided that you know we can believe the bible we've always believed the bible we're still going to continue to believe the bible and so it's not going to be redefined but what does need to be redefined for all of us and this is what we're going to be focusing on as we go through this year is how we follow it. How do we follow this, this road map, this blueprint that God has given us to, for our discipleship and our Lordship? Well, remember how we defined, redefined. That sounds kind of weird, right? Defined, redefined. But remember what we said earlier? To redefine is to give new meaning to, to re-examine, to reevaluate, especially with a view to change. It's to rethink. And so if the Bible is God's purpose and plan laid out for us and everything, including everything that we have in Christ, then we need to engage the Bible with a heart and a mind to see what God is really saying to us and what God expects from us. I don't believe we need to question the Bible. We don't need to question the validity, authority, Uh, you know, um, infallibility, et cetera, of the Bible. But I do think we need to question our understanding and our application of the Bible. Are we men and women of the word or tradition? Think about that for a moment. Are we men and women of the word or or tradition? Do we hold on to sound doctrine of the word or do we hold on to church doctrine doctrine, or maybe even social doctrine, you know, what's what's trending in, whether it's in the religious world or any part of the world. When we look at how the word of God lays out discipleship and lordship, is our interpretation sound or do we maybe need to re-examine and redefine our interpretation. We can be more influenced by tradition and the world than we think. It is so easy for those influences to become dominant, to become where we tend to draw our convictions from. We've got to be careful of that. We've got to be aware of that. Certainly Jesus was very aware of of convictions being more drawn from from the world or from tradition than actually what God intended, what God had to say. I mean, think about it. Is there anyone who, who redefined a relationship with God more than Jesus? I don't think so. I mean, Jesus shook up the religious world of his day. He challenged their tradition, their legalism, their hypocrisy, and he preached grace, He preached sincerity. He preached truth, honesty, and integrity. Things that were were missing in that day. He challenged their pride and their arrogance and their stubbornness. And he preached humility and a willingness to listen, to learn, and to change He totally redefined their worship to God to be motivated by love and gratitude and respect and a a responsibility to follow God in spirit and in truth from the heart and not just from the mind. And to those who listened and to those who responded, Jesus expected to be their lord with everything in life built on that confession that Jesus is lord. And you know he was he was so serious about this that there were only two options available when you came face to face with Jesus. 100% devotion and commitment or you walked away. There was no in-between. There was no room for lukewarmness in in Jesus' call to discipleship and lordship. And and there are scriptures that we know, that we read, that we're familiar with. I'm going to remind you of what they are. This is in Luke uh, chapter 14. We're familiar enough with this um, when Jesus was, was out preaching. And in verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father mother wife children brothers sisters yes even their own life such a person cannot be my disciple and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple Do you see what jesus is doing he's saying look there's 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 only one way to do this it's like it's a hundred percent or this isn't for you then then turn away do do something else with your life find some other person to follow. It's not going to be me, though, unless it's 100% commitment. You've got to put me way above everything else. And then he reiterates that after giving some very convicting illustrations. He, he, he reiterates it in verse 33, a little further down. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I mean, this hit really hard. It's like, wow, okay, so you're demanding 100% commitment and devotion. Yes, that's exactly what he was doing. Now, we know that some followed through with that. We know a lot didn't. We know the story of the rich young man in, in uh, Mark chapter 10, right? He's got everything, or at least so we thought, you know, together. And he comes up to Jesus and says, hey, look, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus was like, well, you know what? I think you know, right? So you know the commandments. And he, he begins to list off and, and, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I, I got that. I think I'm doing well, but but what else? And Jesus challenges him with this very same 100% commitment, 100% devotion challenge. He says, well, give it all up and then come and follow me. And the guy's like, oh, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And, and he walked away. He walked away sad because he wanted a partial discipleship. He wanted a partial lordship. And, and that wasn't going to fly with Jesus. It's like, nope. Then I guess you're not going to do this, and and he walked away. Now the reality of this really hit home for Peter in John chapter six. Go ahead and turn there. In John chapter six, Peter was faced with this very same question of you know what are you going to do? Is it is it is it going to be you know all or is it going to be nothing? And, and look at what we say, what we see here. So in John chapter six. We're going to pick this up down around verse 67. Let me get over there. Down around verse 67. And uh, at this time, many were walking away because of how difficult this call was and because of how challenging this was. And, and, and Peter's response to this, you know, all or nothing call is just golden. Look at what he says. Uh, so Jesus begins by saying, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And look at what Peter says. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so Peter's thinking, if I walk away, where will I go? What else is there? And that's a really good question. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that for a moment. If I walk away from this call, from this 100% commitment and devotion that God calls me to when it comes to my lordship and my discipleship, okay, but, but where am I going to go? What's, what will my life be like then? And so here's an even more important question. If I'm not going to go, what will it mean to stay? See, that's what we need to to redefine. What does it mean to stay? Remember when I said earlier that God's purpose never changes? The what and the why are static, like those are firmly fixed. The how is fluid. It's what we saw in in Exodus twenty exodus thirty two. It's like, okay, let me let me go about this in a little different way. The the how is still fluid. Our fellowship, which means how we follow, right? Our fellowship, not sure if it's a real word, but it's a word I like. Our fellowship is still developing. And that's why we should be open to redefining. And so here's some things we're going to be thinking about as we go through 2022. Okay, so we're not redefining God. We're not redefining Jesus, his message, his mission. We're not redefining the Bible. But what redefining do we need to be doing here? Well, if we're going to go at this full throttle, 100% devotion, 100% commitment, then then here's some things we need to be thinking about. How should we worship God in truth, in spirit? Do we have the right definition of that? Do we, do we really get it? Are, are we there? Another thing, how should we practice discipleship? Are we missing anything? You know, maybe we think we know what it means to be a disciple, but you know what? Maybe we need a redefinition of what does it really mean by the word to be a disciple of Jesus. How should we live out our Lordship? What should that look like in everyday life? That's like, you know, on the job, in the home, when you're out and about, you know, whatever place or direction your life takes you in, what does lordship connected with that actually look like? What should it look like? How about building spiritual relationships? Do we need to redefine? What does it mean to have a spiritual relationship? And there are some things I think we need to redefine and we need to reexamine and and, and review and and you know take a look at dating relationships. You know that's been a topic of conversation for a long time. Do we really get like from the Bible what that should look like? So I think we need to redefine that discipling what does it really mean to to disciple somebody to to be discipled we need to look at that and here's something else I think is really important what does it what what does it mean what should it look like to have a Christian marriage to have a Christian family to have a Christian home I mean let's let's make sure we're getting this right because the example that we set for the world is so important. And maybe we've just taken some things for granted, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, redefine what those things are uh, so that we can, we can get this right. What about the mission? Jesus's mission, our mission. Maybe we need to redefine that because I think that is one area uh, of our spiritual walk that needs a pretty serious jump start and how we build the church. Redefining what it means to be part of the body, to be an active, living, breathing part of the body. Not just somebody who sits in a seat, but somebody who is actually fully engaged in the body of Christ. Redefining, I mean, redefining gender roles. Okay, and we're going to study that out. That's been a hot topic. We haven't quite gotten there yet. We've wanted to, but we've been hijacked over the last year by a bunch of other things and so I think we all understand that but I think together we need to redefine gender roles and and take a look at what the Bible really says are we missing something there I think also redefining leadership roles you know whether it's you know eldership that's a topic that I've wanted to study for a while we're going to do that you know deacons things like that like what does it really mean to be a leader in the church so uh, that's an important study and there, there, there are more. That's just a, a handful of things that we potentially will try to redefine as we go through the year. But this is really about how we approach these things. And it's, it's reviewing past practices and methods to see if what we're doing is, is, is best. Is it effective? But I think most of all, are we really following a biblical standard with how we practice our Christianity? What shifts? What adjustments, what makeovers should we be doing to more effectively live out our call to truly be disciples of Jesus? So as we wrap up here, why is this so important, you might ask? Well, I'm going to leave you with some some thoughts, and I think these are pretty profound. This was a prayer written by somebody named Simi John. My wife, Florence, shared this with me, and I thought it was so profound And and, and a great way to end the message that I'm going to read it to you right now. So this is why redefining all of this Christianity for us and and making sure that it's true to the word is so key. Listen, listen to what this is. Wake up, O sleeper. See the desolation around you. The walls of your home are torn. Your city lies in ruins and her, her people cry out in anguish. Yet you walk on top of the rubble as you go your merry way. How much more pain will it take for us to pay attention? This is our fight. This is our enemy waging war against our neighbors and coming after our generations. This is our time. No more death and division on our watch. No more sitting on the sidelines, watching Satan snatch our children. No more comfortable Christianity, playing religion. Lord, build your church, for she's the hope of the world. Give us eyes to see the enemy's tactics. And grant us people of prayer. And prepare us for battle. The church will stand. She will endure because she is yours, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Thanks so much, and may God be with us. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ Podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.